Can we read Matthew 28, 18, and 19 together? One, two, reading. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. May God bless the reading of his word. Let us all turn to God in prayer. Let us pray. Eternal God, our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we bow before you to give you thanks for journey mercies to thy house. We pray now once again for cleansing and washing of all our sins. And Lord, be pleased to be in our midst to teach us your word. We thank you for every opportunity to study it, to understand it. And Lord, we want to know your word because we want to know how to live a right for you on earth. So even as we enter into this topic on water baptism, Lord, grant to us not just understanding, O oh Lord, but convict our hearts. We ask and pray for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Baptism. Baptism. What is it? What is it? It's something that, well, if you look at the definition from even the um, earthly secular dictionaries, definition, religious rite, right? It's a religious rite of immersing a person in or sprinkling him with water as a sign of purification and admission to the church, all right? Oxford Dictionary is quite accurate, barring some things which we will learn along the way, all right? Now, the Greek word, baptizo, so we keep saying baptism, baptism. What is baptism? Now, Christian, look up here. Most of us here are baptized, have been baptized. Some of you going through this, planning to be baptized. I hope none still refusing to be baptized. Now, but when you think of all this, what does it mean? Because it is very scary for a Christian to, well, be baptized for years already. But someone asks you, your friend asks you, so you're baptized. What does it mean in Christianity? What does it mean to be baptized? What does it mean? When we don't know what it means and we went through baptism and we took our vows and yet we don't know what it means, there's a high likelihood that we are breaking our baptismal vows. So the Christian must pay attention, must understand. And for those of us who have been baptized for some time already, we have to ask ourselves, we have to ask ourselves, am I living out what baptism is supposed to represent as a Christian? So we must understand baptism. Now, look at the word the origin of the word, we, the English word baptize. Now, it's from the Greek word called baptizo, baptizo. And baptizo in the Bible simply means to dip or to cleanse in water. That is what it means. For example, all right, you see Exodus 29 verse 4. And Aaron and his sons, thou did bring unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and thou shalt wash them with water. So in the Old Testament, it's very common, all right, this whole concept of baptism is very, very common. It's, it's there. Now, if you, for example, maybe I'll just show you, okay? I'll just show you. Now, oops. So this is the Old Testament and then the New Testament. We keep saying the New Testament word baptize, 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 from the word baptizo. We have to realize that this concept of, of baptizo existed in the Old Testament because the word baptizo in Greek, where we get the English word baptism, it simply means to wash, to be cleaned, cleansed by washing, all right? So is it 
present in the Old Testament. We often think it's a New Testament concept. Now, if maybe I'll show you some verses. This whole concept of washing, I'll read here first. All right, so now, um, we read Leviticus 9.9. Oh, no, we didn't read. All right, the sons of Aaron brought the blood unto him, and he dipped his finger in the blood and put it upon the horns of the altar and poured out the blood at the bottom of the altar. Now, there is this one of the activities that the Old Testament saint people always do is this concept of cleansing. It can be the blood, it can be water, what God dictates, they use, okay? So, for example, the, the altar, the altar in the temple, it is cleansed, all right? In this case, with the blood of the animals. And then this practice where the priest shall dip his finger in the oil that is in his left hand. You see, there is blood, there is oil as well in his left hand, and shall sprinkle of the oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. So they will do this kind of thing. They dip, and then they do this, all right? So this, this picture of, of sprinkling and cleansing is heavily practiced. Now, the next one, for example, um, washing. The priest shall wash his clothes. He shall bathe his flesh with water. And then another concept of cleansing, even for the priest. They will do this in front of the people and they will see, okay, cleansing is occurring. And then after that, they are cleansed. Then we see further, for example, um, and a clean person shall take hyssop and dip it in water and sprinkle it upon the tent and upon all the vessels, upon the people that were there and upon him that touches a bone or one that is slain or one that is dead or one that is grave. So they go through their normal life and then they encounter so-called what the Lord said, uncleanness. Then they will go through this process again. The very graphic picture of cleansing. And in this case, water. All right, so we had blood, we had oil, we had water. And now then there is this very clear instruction and com and warning from God. Look at verse Numbers 19.20. But the man that, sh that shall be unclean and shall not purify himself, the soul shall be cut off. You see, it has to be, the soul will be cut off from the congregation, not part of God's people. Because he had defiled the sanctuary of the Lord, the water of separation had not been sprinkled upon him. He is unclean. So there is this concept of water of separation. So now, Water of separation. Now, then, even in the longer term, look at Isaiah 52, 15. God says, so shall he sprinkle many nations. So now God is talking about the future. This whole concept of cleansing nations. The king shall shut their mouths. Uh, I don't have to read the rest, but there is this cleansing there, and God talks about a future. Now, above all, I want us to read this together. Let's read. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will take away the stony heart of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments to do them. Now, here God talks about the future as well. So I want you to notice this thing, all right? Let me try and draw this to help you understand. You notice one thing. Too big, huh? I need space. From the Old Testament, all right? 
this concept of, of cleansing, this outward sign of cleansing is heavily practiced, a very major part of their lives, okay? We saw that. Whether it's the temple um, equipment, whether it's the people themselves, cleansing, strong visual concept. Now, there is also, in fact, it was so strong, you see, for example, let's come back to our Bible verses. Luke eleven thirty eight. Now, when the, and when the Pharisees saw it, he, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. You see, this word washer is baptizo. Now, when they saw that Christ did not wash before eating, they were, they were shocked. They were marveled. Hey, how come this is happening? Now, in their minds, this concept of cleansing is practiced so strongly in their life, so it's a great part of their life, that when they see it's not done, they get shocked, all right? So you must remember this baptizo, this cleansing concept. Now, in fact, turn to Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 7. Sorry, I didn't print it out. We don't have enough time in BBK. That's why I print out verses. I don't like to print out verses. I prefer people to turn to them, but we don't have time, all right? So we turn to Mark chapter 7, please. Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Now, I'm explaining all this to you because you have to understand a key concept. Mark chapter 7. Now, let's read verses 1. All right, verses 1. Um, Mark 7, 1 to 11. Wait, is this correct? Okay. Now, actually, let me just read verse 3. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash, now, baptizo, baptizo. So don't think of baptism as always in church and then this, this baptism that's happened. It simply means cleansing, all right? The Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands of, eat not beholding the tradition of the elders. You see, there is such a strong tradition, this concept of cleansing. And then, verse 4, and when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups, baptizo, the word baptiz baptism of cups, all right? And of pots and brazen, brazen vessels and the tables. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unbaptized hands? Now, why were they talking like that? They saw, for example, in verse 5, we read just now, the temple things, cups, pots, brazen, and vessels, and tables. Just now we read, if you, if you come back to this, all right? Where is it now? Look, verse Leviticus 4, 6. There is the baptizing, the, spring, the cleansing of the veil, all right? Then in verse Leviticus 9.9, 9, the cleansing of the altar, the table. So you see, for them, the cleansing of all these things is a strong tradition that they must practice because God commanded them in the Old Testament. Now, why is it important to understand this? I want to then draw this now. So that's the cleansing that is very strong. When they reach the New Testament... 
cleanse. All right, cleanse. When they don't see this happening, they get very, very um, troubled. It's part of the Jewish belief. Now, there are three things in the Old Testament that they do very, um, um, as a very important part of their religious practice. One is this whole thing of cleansing. Then there is the whole concept of circumcision, right? Circumcision. That is the other one, okay? So, that is why in the New Testament later, they also got very upset at the Apostle Paul. We must, well, if the Gentiles say they believe they are part of the Jewish religion, they must be circumcised. And then when he saw them doing anything, they must have this cleansing. So the other one is, is this whole concept of circumcision is, is very important to them. They make a lot of noise about this, about this and this which they did not see. Well, of course, we know the third thing that is very odd is the covenantal sign. All right, one of the covenantal signs, which is what? The Passover. They are, all right, the Passover, partaking the Passover as, God, as God's people. And you know, for them, the concept is very clear. They must be cleansed people. And this sign that they are cleansed people is they take on, whether they're Jews or Gentiles, they take on circumcision. So even in the Old Testament, the people, the, the heathens that come to trust in the Jewish God, Jehovah, all right? They must be circumcised. In Exodus, God made it very clear. One people, the same. Whether they are strangers that surgeon with you, if they take the belief of, of Jehovah as their God, then they must be circumcised. So this, very important, well, you believe, all right? Then you must be someone who is cleansed. Then sign, circumcision. Now this, they know, is an outward sign. Outward sign. These are sign and seals. In Romans, God talk about the signs and seals, right? So these are outward signs of their inward faith, even in the Old Testament, okay? That is why in the New Testament, when they don't see these two things, this ritual of cleansing, they don't see this ritual of circumcision, to them, they, they, how can you say the Gentiles are believers? Because this is always what we practice, okay? So remember that. Now, if you turn um, to Exodus 7, right? Exodus. Genesis 17, is it? Genesis 17, my mistake. Please turn to Genesis, Genesis 17. Genesis 17. Now let's read verses 8, all right? 8 um, to 11 first. Reading. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for all for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant there, for thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is the covenant, this is my covenant, which ye shall keep. 
betwixt me and you and thy seed, and after thee every man child among you shall be circumcised. And then look at verse 11. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And I want to... Now, now God says this is a token, verse 11, this is a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. So look up here. This... Now, people who believe, they are cleansed by God. The sign they are, they, that they are now... Now, the word token is sign, all right? The token, this is a token, a sign. The sign that, that, they, are, that they are part of God's covenantal people is circumcision. So to, the, to, the, to those who have been worshipping Jehovah, without this sign of cleansing, without this sign of circumcision, it is an outward thing, they understand. They are not part of the covenant, they are not. Now, why must we understand this? Because from the understanding of that, you will understand what baptism is supposed to mean today, today in you. These, these signs are the same. Now, if you realize, for example, you must know that baptism is not something new. All right? For example, John the baptizer. All right? John the baptizer, he baptized people. All right? He baptized people. Before Christ came, when Christ was there, he was, he was baptizing people. Before Christ gave the command, which we read just now, go ye into all the world, pray, preach the gospel, asking people to repent, believe in him, and then baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son. Before Christ said that, before Christ said that, before he ascended, which he said that, you know, um, before he went to the cross, at this point, John the baptizer was already baptizing people at the river, wasn't it? And Christ himself went to John and say, well, Christ himself went to John and say, now, baptize me. Correct? So this concept of baptism always was existing with the people. Now then, with that, we have to then begin to ask ourselves, um, so what are these signs now? Where are these signs? Now, if you turn... If you turn to um, Colossians chapter 2. Now, before, when you're there, let me show you this verse first. Okay? Look at these verses. Isaiah 52, 15. God prophesied, and God said, this is what happened. So shall he sprinkle many nations. All right? So it's talking about this cleansing and many nations. Did not Christ say go, go into all the nations, go to all, all, all the places in the world, all right, to make disciples. And when you make them disciples, you wash them, you have the act of baptism. So this is the fulfillment of Isaiah 52. Furthermore, in Ezekiel 36, now God says, then there will come a time, all right, where I'll sprinkle clean water upon you. Now, clean water means there's not, there, it doesn't mean that there's some special water that the Christian only go and find in Israel. What is this clean water that we need to sprinkle? It simply means the act of cleansing. And this, act, this water we already read earlier on is called the water of separation. All right, where's that? Just now we read. It's a water of separation, separating them to be God's people different from the rest of the world. Now, let's come back to Ezekiel. Where is it? Now, in Numbers 19.20, God calls this the water of separation. 
It's not any special water. It simply says, it's the act that with cleansed people using water, for example, you are separated. That's why it's called water of separation. Remember these words because it will teach us what baptism means. So even the Old Testament, when God said, cleanse it with water, cleanse it with blood, cleanse it with oil, God is not saying the act cleanses it, but it represents something. It represents the water of separation. Remember that concept first. Huh? Now, then God says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, you will be clean. And he said, a new heart I will give you. The believers, the believers, you will have a new heart, a new spirit I will put in you, the Holy Spirit. Right? I will take away your stony heart. So you will be converted, you will repent of your sins. And one of the things God says involved in that is, God says, there is this sprinkling of cleansing. All right? So it's, there is a cleansing, in other words. Now then we come, all right, we come to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Now look up here first. So you see there is a problem. There is a problem for the Jews that come to trust in Christ in the New Testament. All right? There was a problem. Why? Because these two things are so strongly a part of their, their religious life. When they did not see this cleansing, they're uncomfortable. That's why they keep practicing those things. When they did not, did not see circumcision, they got very upset at Paul. Paul, you say these, these Gentiles are believers. Where are these things? Because this is supposed to be part of our, of our outward sign, of our inward faith. They are not doing it. How can you teach this type of thing? How did Paul answer that? Knowing that, well, baptizo, baptism from the Old Testament to, occurred already. Now, God reveals this, Colossians chapter 2. Now, can we read? Um, okay, verse 10. Eh? Verse 10 to 13 together. 10 to 13, reading. And ye are complete in him. Well, well, hang on, hang on. Okay, now, you have to read this with context. The Jews are upset. The Jews are are confused why is there no this cleansing practice why is there no this circumcision practice now and paul is writing to answer this okay now we read verse 10 and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power in whom ye also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of christ Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith and operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Now, here, Paul is answering their question. You can understand their, their confusion and their, their anger. So, Paul says, now, first of all, you are complete in Christ. Don't keep thinking of these outward things. But these outward things, now, there is a change. They are still there, but the administration, the administration, the administration of this baptizo, this cleansing, the administration of this baptizo now is different. Look at verse 11. Now say, they say, where is the circumcision? So he explained, in whom you are circumcised with the huh, circumcision made without hands. So now they get a bit more confused. Hey, Paul, come on. You know, where is the physical circumcision? He said, no, you, when you come and trust in Christ, now you have been circumcised with the circumcision 
And then now there is the circumcision made without hands. Now they say, what is circumcision made without hands? In that picture, it's very clear. I bring my child to the temple, and then there's a physical knife, there's a physical cutting, there's physical blood coming out, and then there's a physical change, all right, in the bodily part. What are you talking about without hands? How do we go to the temple and pull our hands behind and say, oh, suddenly circumcision happens? And Paul explained what is the circumcision made without hands. Look at verse 11. Now, he, he understands. He said, now, there is this putting away of the body of sins of the flesh. Lord, look up here. Always, these two together, it always represent signs of the seal of cleansed people. It always represents cleansing, okay? So, it comes together. They understand that. But now, he says, number one, there is circumcision. Verse 11, one thing is called circumcision without hands. Circumcision without hands. Then, he said, there is a cleansing, Right? There is cleansing. How do we know there's cleansing? Because putting off, verse 11, putting off of the body of the sins. And then, yeah. So, now, there is these two. They say, Where are, what have happened to these two? What is this now? And he explained it. Verse 12. What, how, look up here first. How does this cleansing happen? How does this circumcision happen now? Paul, please tell us. Paul said, both of these are folded in administration Listen carefully, yeah? Paul is explaining these two things are folded in administration in the New Testament. To what? Verse 12. That's why the King James translators are very accurate. They help you with understanding of scriptures. They put, verse 11, they put a colon, a colon. You know that all these, all these commas and colons, they are not in the Bible, all right? But the KJV translators, they help us understand. They are very accurate. They put colon. Now, what is the circumcision of Christ? What is this cleansing that of Christ? How is it replaced? Verse 11, buried with him in baptism. Ha, ah, baptism. So now he is explaining that these two, now look up here, this cleansing, maybe I use another color. Use this. All right, look up here. This cleansing, which they are very used to, not good, huh? All right, like that. This cleansing, Still not good. This cleansing which they are used to, this circumcision that they are used to, both of them has been folded into one and that is called baptism. Means the physical cutting, the one that is made without hands, the cleansing that they see with the, with the water and all that, the baptizo, both just simply go into one, baptism, baptizo, into one, that is all. All right? So, the Christian must realize baptism is not something the Old Testament, it's alien to them. New Testament, then they started practicing it. So, when Christ said, go ye into all the world, we will teach them, cause them to repent, and then baptize them. Christ already gave, gave the, the picture far ahead of time. There will be one thing called just the cleansing. The cleansing part now represents both. The cleansing represents both. Why, why do they then stop arguing with Paul that they must be circumcised? How could this be solved? How did they stop insisting on circumcision for the true believers? This verse settled it for the Jews that believe in Christ. Oh, now we understand the administration has changed. It folded into one and it's just water baptism and that is all. Okay? Now, why must I cause you to understand all this? Because in understanding this, 
A few things happen. Number one, you understand what is the meaning of baptism. Because if you don't understand the meaning of baptism which God intended from the Old Testament to the New Testament, then even if you're not leaving it, you don't know. So look up here. We already said they understood that the outward circumcision and all this outward water cleansing and all that, now it represents the outward, their outward signs of their inward faith the signs of the covenant. God already said, circumcision is one of the signs of the covenant. And therefore, it means this. All right? So now I hope you begin to see this. It means this. Baptism is the outward sign. Uh, maybe I use a new slide, all right? Now, what is baptism? Then, uh, number one, is an outward sign of our inward faith. Means it is someone who has been saved, right? Only those who have been saved. You go through this. Your inward faith is there. And this is an outward manifestation. You do this to tell the world you, be, you are a people of Jehovah. Now, number two. Now, it represents cleansing, cleansed. Now, so, in fact, I would say this, all right? It, it simply means this. Now, what does it mean? What does it mean? Number one. So, write this down and I hope you understand. It means, it represents cleanse. I have been cleansed. I have been cleansed. They look in backward faith. This is a sign that I have been cleansed. So, first and foremost, when you come up for baptism, you are not saying, I'm coming up to be cleansed. You're not saying that at this point of time, I get saved. Please know that. So for those of you who thought that, well, when did you get saved? Or oh, the day I, I went up and I got cleansed. I, uh, that cleansing happened and I got saved. That is not the case. All right? God says they must believe. They believe first. Then they go through this ritual of cleansing and then they go through this circumcision. All right? It's belief first. So that day when you stand here, you're saying, I am a cleansed person. So that when the pastor sprinkles the water, don't think, oh, now I'm being cleansed. Oh, good, good, good. From now onwards, I'm saved. No, you, you are saying, I'm telling the people who is watching this cleansing, I, I, accept, I have accepted this cleansing from Christ. That is why I'm standing here. So people will visually see. All right, visually see. Your unbelieving friends come for your baptism. Unbelieving relatives come for your baptism. They see, oh, you know, this person is declaring Jesus Christ have cleansed this person and that's why he, should, he or she is a Christian. So, cleansing. Okay, now turn to your BBK books. BBK books. Okay, now, um, in page 131, 131 of the old book, um, 109 in the new book, all right? 109 in the new book. Okay, there are three C's that I hope I help you to remember. Number one, it means cleansing. Because just now we already read in Colossians, um, the filth of the flesh removed, cleansing. Okay, now, if you... Would write this down in your BBK books. 
Alright, so number one, it means cleanse. Now, then what must it remind me of? What must it remind me? The Old Testament, it signifies cleansing. The New Testament, yeah, I'm cleansed. Now, then you must remember, if you say, I have been cleansed by the blood of Christ, right? You're acknowledging the sins that I have, alright? They need cleanse. You're acknowledging you're a sinner. Acknowledging that these things are sinful. So, you must not go back to them. So, this act before that you've gone through, and if after that you still continue to secretly love your sin, secretly hold on to your sin, you forget what it means when you stand, when you stood before everyone and you let the water come upon you to declare these things uncleanse. I don't want these things. These things are unclean. But yet you go on living in your um, sinful ways. It's contrary to the whole meaning of baptism. Now, why is this important? Because many people think that Clean, oh, baptism saves, number one. Many people think that, wow, now I get saved already. Wow, good. I can go and live the way I want to. That is not what it means. Now, number two, all right? Now, it means consecration. Consecration, okay? Now, if, if you turn to Colossians chapter 2 again, Now, what is this baptism? They have both of them folded together, the cleansing and the, the circumcision. Now, look at um, verse 13. All right, verse 13, let's read together. And you, being dead in your sins and, of, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forg forgiven you all trespasses. All right, so now, what is Paul reminding them? Now, now Christ has forgiven you, you being dead in your sin, uncircumcised, and quickened together with him. Now, you are now raised with Christ. Means this is now a new life. A new life. So when you come for baptism, you're not only saying, I have been cleansed, you are declaring that I live a new life. Baptism means I've been buried with him in baptism, I'm raised with him. All right, This is a new me. And this new me is one that is consecrated to him. Now, look at your BBK books, please. 131 in the old book, 109 in the old book. Now, can we read together um, Romans 6, 3 and 4? Right? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are, we were, we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So what is baptism? The second thing is because I have been cleansed, now I walk in newness of life. Baptism is walking in newness of life, a declaration to all. So I ask you again, my friends, after, after baptism, what is your commitment like still? There must be a very marked change. Are you also not willing to be baptized because you say, Lord, I'm not willing. I'm not willing to be totally consecrated to you. Now, if you're genuinely saved, you are genuinely saved. But you're saying, Lord, I'm not willing to be totally consecrated to you. I'm not committed to walking and obeying all your commandments. I still want to live in some of my old ways. So, Lord, I, I dare not come up 
because I don't want to take that vow. Maybe I give you an analogy to help you understand what it really means when a Christian does not want to be baptized. Want to be saved but does not want to be baptized because, no, well, baptism means a full following of Christ, denying self, taking up my cross and following him. Or maybe I say girls, all right, girls? Um, those of you, well, one day if God wants you to be married, well, then marriage is part of your life. You meet a guy, and the guy says this, all right? Well, I want to live with you forever. I want to live with you, all right? And, they say, and then you say, okay, then let's get married, all right? After courtship, let's get married. And then the boy says, no, no, why, why get married? It's all right. You know, just, you know I, I just want to live with you. I'll live with you. Don't worry, you know. How would you feel? Yeah, it's okay. No problem. You tell the person, get lost, all right? You are not committed because marriage, marriage is, like we always say at wedding, the ring, right, is a representation of your um, undying love on earth to the person, all right? That's the ring. It's an outward, now you will exchange the signs of marriage because there is an outward sign of your commitment one to another. Now, if as a girl, you think that it's ridiculous and it's terrible for a guy to say you want to marry me, you want to be part of my life, my life to be part of yours, but you don't want to have this outward, clear commitment as a vow before all. You are not committed. Get lost, right? So if you're a girl and you refuse to be baptized, you are saying exactly the same to your bride, uh, your bridegroom. I want to be safe. I want to be with you. I want you to, to help me. I want you to um, be with me. But please don't ask me to be committed to you. It's terrible, isn't it? You think of it in the earthly sense, it's despicable. But that is how we treat Christ. You see, when you don't understand from the Old Testament to the New Testament, God told them very clearly, you don't want to be circumcised, let him be cut off. Right? Cut off. You don't have the cleanse water, of, you refuse, you reject the clean, water of cleansing, let him be cut off. Both have this cut off, right? So the, the, the water of separation, the water of separation and the sign of the circumcision, if they reject it, it's cut off. It's just like you tell the person, break off now, forget it. I'm cutting off this relationship. Because you do not want to take on this outward sign then what is in your heart? If this is genuine in your heart, what is the problem? All right? So, well, same for guys, right? Um, it is you saying that I want all the benefits of marriage, but I don't want to make this commitment. All right? So, cut off. What do I want to say next? Yeah, so now look at... Um, your BBK books, right? Now, so is walk in newness of life. Walk in newness of life. Now, seniors, you've been baptized for a long time. How different is your life now from the time you got baptized? How is your commitment to the Lord? Young people, you came up to be baptized as well. Where is your consecration? Consecration means walk in newness of life. My life is totally now for God. Where is it? 
anymore. So every time you, are not, if you, when you backslide or if you're backslided, remember, this is what it means. Now, the third one, all right? The third one come is the sign of the covenantal sign. It's a covenantal sign, okay? Covenantal sign. Now, look at your BBK books. Point number two, all right? Now, Abraham signifies circumcision as our word sign of faith. So please know uh, where Abraham and his people went through circumcision it's an outward sign of their faith that this Jehovah is the only living and true God and we take him as our God and we walk with him and for him. Now then, in the New Testament, the same covenant is extended to all. Now that is why today we don't have, um, we don't have physical circumcision anymore. The Jews understood that. Oh, now with this, how am I still a covenantal people of God? Oh, water baptism now represents that. There is no more physical, physical cutting of the flesh. All right? I'm part of God's people. Now, what then must the covenantal sign bring up? Well, they became part of God's people. Then you became part of the church. All right? So just that is why there is, there is baptism leads to church membership. Because then it's clear. Now you understand these things, right? Why, why is it that baptism, then you become a member of the church? Because it always in the Old Testament, circumcision representing becoming the people of God. Okay? That's a representation. Now then, then we ask ourselves, well, cleansing, covenant, uh, consecration now, covenantal sign. Are you living out the covenantal promises? We want to claim covenantal promises of God. God, in this covenant, you protect me, you help me. But where is your part? Israel had that problem. God, you do all this for us but we are not going to live in covenant with you. Where is your covenantal living? Where is, is the church, the people of God, your covenantal people? Or are you fighting against them, bickering against them, causing problems in the church? Baptism means you, you, with, you are with these people, you support what these people is doing for God, not fight against them. All right? So people who get baptized, still not giving up their sin, still walking unconsecrated life and not part of God's covenant to people after baptism, all right, bye-bye, then we just live our own life with no care or concern for the other people in church. You are not living out your baptismal vows, all right? So now we understand all this means outward sign. So next time people ask you, what is baptism? You tell the people, it's an outward sign of my inward faith. And what do they represent? Number one, that I have been cleansed. Number two, that I live a consecrated life for God. Do they see it? And number three, this is a covenantal sign. Just like in marriage, you take on the covenantal sign, you live differently, and there is a love for, for the other party. Is there a love for God's people? All right, so all these things, now we understand. This is baptism. Let us pray.